0: Wednesday,
1: TB and VH in here. Terry Brown, Benny Hardy. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I am. I am doing fantastic. I, I know the world is interesting, but there's so much stuff going on. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the cats, basketball. Uh, uh, a literal Charles Dickinson kind of Dickinson Dickens di Dick, Dickinson I don't, I don't I need to look that up but it was the best of times it was the worst of times when we when we look so uh, a lot of stuff to talk about uh, a lot of NBA stuff to talk about so I mean we we got a lot of stuff going on plus uh, Bama wins its 511th championship so so much stuff to talk about tonight end of
0: the show, Former UK Point Guard, coming up at about 6.15, Roger Hart hopping on with us to drop some knowledge, we had a great time with him the last time he was on, We like a new time, I don't know, I he's someone to come on, and we're done with him on this evening, so, um, we're talking some ball with Roger Hart. and about 15 after, so that'll be fun too, man. Your, your Rockets I mean your Lakers broke my Rockets so this has been brewing for a while and it, it finally
1: came to a head huh, about an hour or so ago yeah it, well the, the thing is and, and, and this is I know the Rockets are your squad but when it comes look not everybody is okay with tanking okay or not giving your all right and the problem I think from an outsider perspective looking in on Harden was everybody that had kind of let him do his thing was gone D'Antoni gone Maury gone so it was a whole new regime and they're and you're bringing in other dudes who you that's not going to fly like you can't just half do and I, I thought the interview with Knight was very telling. Like, like, hey, I ain't worried about him. I'm, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z on my own. You know, we've got other things going on. That was always, that's always the thing. Is when we talk about tanking and not doing your best, uh, it 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 demoralizes your 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 players. Like, it makes sense. Right? It makes sense in a bigger scheme of things of, hey, tanking for Tua, tanking for Trevor Lawrence or whoever. Uh, you know, Philadelphia trusts in the process. But you have to keep in mind the players that still have to play, they're not losing on purpose, right? These guys are all in, you know, for the most part. They're not mailing it in. And so uh, when you have. Somebody, even a superstar like James Harden, former MVP, he's you know last decade, you know he's what top five, you know in the NBA, top three, four, you know uh, you get you get LeBron Durant, um, you throw in uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard, but Harden is right there, right, and. My whole thing is, if you are at that level, either either you play or you don't play, but you don't have to. And I think that was the problem with the Rockets. Uh, I can't remember who said it before the season started, but that was going to be an issue, right? Because Boogie, uh, John Wall, they're working to get back. They're trying to get back to that all-star level, right? And you got a lot of proud dudes on that team that look, we got to be about the business of winning. And if you're not about this business, this is not going to work. So I was surprised that they pulled off the, the Brooklyn trade. Cause I thought Brooklyn was kind of set. Uh, looking ahead to, to, to Brooklyn, the questions when we talked about it, the offseason are still there. There's only one ball. Right? There's, only, there's only one. And, and the one thing to keep in mind with these super teams like it took Miami a big chunk of time to figure out how to do it. Right? Like I know they ended up going to the uh, finals but they were I think a three seed in the East in 2011. Remember if you remember correctly that they weren't dominant, kind of like we thought they'd be out of the jump, right? So these things take time. Now you've got a truncated timetable, right? Because <laughs> with the shortened season, and, and you know if you uh, give up too many games, you're gonna be on the road in the playoff, which I know without fans isn't quite the same thing, but still. And the biggest thing is, how do these dudes play? How do they communicate? right I think that that's one of those things we talk about on the court chemistry but off the court all these all three year big dudes are passive aggressive Kyrie's doing Kyrie things he's reached that level of I could pretty much tell you just about anything about Kyrie Irving and you would probably be like okay that makes sense you know, Kyrie retires to open up a donut bakery in Sarasota. You'd be like, well, you know, I haven't heard that. But Kyrie seems like the kind of dude that would do that. And then you got Kevin Durant, who, from what we have seen in Oklahoma City and Golden State, he just wants to play basketball. Like, he just wants the ball. He's, he's not trying to politic and this, that, and the other. He just wants to play basketball. And for all of that, he's been part of the biggest circuses in the NBA over the last 10 years with him and Russ and OKC and everything with the Rockets, which I know, not the Rockets, I'm sorry, the Warriors, which I know they won, but it probably didn't go like how he thought it was going to go. So Kevin Durant's got to be thinking, what is going on? Because it's going to be a circus you're New York adjacent I I, I, you know I, I mean I'll watch it but I don't get it so what are your thoughts as a Rockets fan about this
0: 60 plus games barring cancellations and postponements to get your stuff together and Wall and Cousins they couldn't really like you said they're, they're just on one year contracts trying to get healthy and they can't really get in a group because all this drama going on uh, Steven Silas is trying to make it as a first year coach this ain't really starting off the way he wants just a whole big cloud over everything. Even though know, he did a lot of good great things, it's kind of maybe it's time to maybe move on, time to part ways. You know, Coaches get
2: one place for 10 years and then it's time to retire, trying to move on, trying to get a change of scenery.
0: And now you finally make that move. And then they rave for caris hurt for Ola Depot. Another dude is hungry and coming off injury. I don't know if I'm being too blessed at full, but wall in Ola Depot. Boogie and that young Christian Wood and Harry Gordon to pizza. Maybe there's still time now to find some chemistry and everybody wanting to play and pull in the same direction that you can actually do something. I'm you right up there with the Lakers, but maybe you better than what you recognize
1: right now. Right. Because the Rockets, to their credit, they've never been terrible. Even, you know, they had that lull after. The post-Akeem low, but you know, shortly thereafter, you've got Yao and Steve Francis, and you've got that bunch. So they've never been just abjectly terrible. So that's a credit to the ownership. I know they've had an owner change and and, uh, a front office, obviously, but but that's that's pretty good. Like my Lakers have been terrible. Like you know. Uh, so I understand how how that how that goes, but all this James Harden kind of drama just l- reminds us that very few of even the greatest athletes it doesn't end well. I you know yes there you know Kobe he went out he got his 60 in his last game but the end wasn't great. You know Tom Brady left New England joe montana left san francisco so did jerry Wright. like it rarely kind of ends where you get to ride off in the sunset the the dirks the tim duncan's that's rare right even for the great ones you know we we, we think of you know especially like michael jordan in 98 that thing that's why they had all this documentary uh documentary uh footage because they knew this is the last dance You know, so it's it's just rare to see a great player in a franchise kind of ride off into the sunset together. It just, it rarely happens. So I'm not surprised that that, that Harden kind of said, I don't want to be here. It's a little bit tougher when you got that big contract, but they, you know, they made it work. So it's just rare to see. And, you know, I think what will help like LeBron when he reaches that stage is, hey, LeBron's been doing his own thing, these last three or four stops. Right? You know, after the decision, and that wasn't handled great, you know, leaving Miami, not as not that big a deal. He won you a couple of championships. Not that big a deal. Uh leaving Cleveland, hey, your first title since the Browns in sixty four, you're welcome. You know, uh, you know, maybe he squeezes one more title out of LA. Even if he doesn't, you still put he still put one banner up there i still think you can call that a success so you know he may not have that but 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 a lot of these guys you know Brett Favre in Green Bay Tate Manning in Indianapolis like it just it doesn't always end like we think it's going to end you know I, I, that's just that's just kind of the way it goes uh, because sometimes those star players get too big you know, sometimes that happens, and and when they get too big, you're not able to to make moves that you would ordinarily make. We saw that Dan Marino down in Miami. You know, you you want to cater to your superstar to a point, but your team has other needs, right? So, uh, not too many guys get to ride off into the sunset with the uniform that kind of made them who they who they are. So. That's a rarity. That's it, that's it. Make sure to follow us on Podcasts, on, Newsday, on Facebook and
2: Twitter. Terry. T 80. Follow me
0: already. Check out past on Anchor or Spotify. Or Apple each Feel free to check out the show. And also Put a message in up here just a bit and you can tell you
1: Roger That's correct. That's correct. So, so, yeah,
0: so purple and gold, like you,
2: red,
1: so. yeah. Yeah. Lake, Lakers are still Lakers are still the 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 favorite the betting favorites. Uh I know they've dropped a couple games here and there, but you know, I I think
0: guest friend of the show gracious enough to come on with us again. We're talking about Mr. Basketball from the state of Indiana. Parade All American. McDonald's All American. Roger Hart. On on What's up, Roger? How you
3: it's know it's great to be with you. Thank you for that trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the introduction. <laughs> and uh it's, it. it's always an honor to be on with you guys. You guys know the game and you know the cats, so uh, I'm looking forward to our time together. Always appreciate you, man, taking the time. We were
0: talking a little NBA because all the, the big trades. You know, I'm a Rockets fan, so they just traded the man that
3: bears your last
0: name. Yes. To the Nets. Yeah. So,
3: Yes. I'm happy for him. I there's things about James that, you know, could be different, but, but I love his spirit. Uh I'm glad he got his way. I'm always on the player side. You know, if they want to get traded, I think he did give his heart and soul to the to the Rockets. I think he really elevated their their franchise and gave him some gay, good memories and gave him some hope for, you know, a world championship. And I'm he's partial to the old dogs. He's going to get to reconnect with KD, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I just hope it's a, a good chemistry. I hope they they really do something. you know, sometimes when you get guys at the end of their career, you know, you don't know how much they, how much they have left in the tank or how much fire they really make something happen so I hope things really turn out for all of
0: them if you were Steve Nash you got KD you got Kyrie you got the beard coming in what is Coach Harden's offense
2: going to do what you what are you going to how you going to set things
3: up well that'd be something you know at that level you know the small amount of time that I got to spend in the NBA was so enlightening because the relationship between the players and the coaches is so different from college and i and even more so even now you know 35 years later you know there's there's a lot of dialogue i i would think that 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 steve's going to need all three of them to be on the same page and they all need to get in the same room and sit down and work through you know what they think it's going to look like you know, he's going to have to come up with an offense that, you know, kind of gives all of them an opportunity to do something. I think they're all mature enough at this point where they've, they've, they've made their money, they've made their name, and hopefully, you know, they just want a little legacy, possibly get a nice run and maybe get a ring. And I think that's, that's all those guys because I love watching them all. I mean, Kyrie Irvin I don't know that I've ever seen a better handle than, than Kyrie. I mean, his handle is just amazing. Of course, I love to watch point guards. And Nash, you know, with his background, Vinny, I think, you know, he realizes those guys got to believe in in what's going to go because at that level, they have to believe in it because Steve Nash, yeah, but, you know, hey, who knows Kyrie and those guys, I'm sure, respect his game. But this is today, you know, so he's he's got to really have a have gain their respect by respecting them first and and getting them in the same room in my opinion and working through how this is all going to play out. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about this before you got on there. Uh Rogers talking about, you know, I think more than just what happens on the court in Brooklyn. Like you said, off the court, they've got to make sure they're all on the same page. Like, they know on a given night, each one of those guys can go out and get your 40, right? Kyrie can get your 40. Harden can get your 40. KD can get your 40. But they've got to figure out how to come together mm-hmm. and, and get some and get some Ws. And unfortunately, with the shortened season, they got to figure it out on the fly. Yes. You know, there's no no training camp, no offseason. They've got to figure it out and do it. Under this microscope, that they're now all in, and you know, so that's going to be where I'm gonna watch.
3: Yes, and I, and I'm I'm rooting for it. Believe me, I mean, you know, I'm I, I'm an old guy, right? I, I never really played at that level, but but they're they're still my heroes, and I, I just hope that they really, you know, and I think they all realize that they do need each other. You know, if they're going to make this nice push at the end and do something magical at the end of their career. I remember when the Lakers had Nash and, you know, they they got a bunch of the... the, They had Dwight Howard then. I'm trying to remember who else they had at that time. Of course, they had Kobe and some of those others. They tried to throw some of those guys in with them. I was really excited, of course, being a Laker fan. It didn't work out. So I would think the disappointment from that, that Nash experienced in L.A., will give him some insight into hey, we gotta stay, we gotta iron this out, we gotta iron that out. But I do think Kyrie's the key because, you know, he's the rainmaker. He can score also, but he can make things happen. He can get the ball to those guys. And I think they both understand it different times during the games or during certain games if guys got the hot hand, let's just keep going with them because at their age, you know, not that they want to take a night off, but hey, the more rest you get, particularly in the NBA game, at their age, you know, legs are everything down the stretch. So, I would think that they, like the way that uh, <clears throat> uh, um, LeBron and AD worked out, you could see that how it kind of yeah. materialized, that they really respected each other. So, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping America needs something like that to watch right now, and I and I'm really cheering for them, You know what I mean? <laughs> That's it. I couldn't say it any yeah. I couldn't say it any yeah. Particularly for us for us guys that just love to sit around, and you know the the upside. I have said, and and I've kind of been on a hiatus because of the virus. Off and on, I work for a, a guy that owns a property management company, and so. We've had downtime. I don't travel much. So all my kids are raised. My wife is a physical therapist. She loves sports as well. So I really have been able to just dive in and and watch all the ESPN games and NBA. Of course, you know, I live and die with with our Kentucky Wildcats. And um, so it's been great for me. So for me to be able to sit around and watch those three guys play together, is uh, just another bonus for me. I'm really trying to make the best of it. Do you
0: have daughters? Roger.
3: I, have, I have a son and three daughters. And uh, my wife and I, my youngest, my baby is a, a junior at Western. And, of course, I follow Western very closely. Of course, uh, at last night after the game, she had to let me know that Western did beat Bama. Dad, not only did we beat Bama, but we beat Bama in Tuscaloosa, right? So I've had to hear that. But she's also, of course, she's she, she's a Kentucky player. I don't I don't let her drag any of that red in the house. My green goes Bowling Green, but I don't let the red back into my house. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but 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 I do like Western. It's a great university. I like Stansberry. I'm a big Tavion Hollinsworth fan. You know, they've got several nice players, Josh Allen and of course, Bassey and them. I love to watch them. I catch them all I can. But, um, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, then I, my my middle daughter got married last December and she is a dietitian. She's married a gentleman. They live in Versailles that's, that's uh, visited, uh, finishing up his residency. He's gonna be an ophthalmologist. My oldest daughter is not married, living in Lexton, and then I have an older son that works for Centos. He was uh, on the 03 Henry Clay team that almost won the state. They had a great run that year. That was one of the greatest basketball years of my life. He started for them, had averaged about 16 or 17 for them. Ballard beat them in the first game of the Final Four on that Saturday, or was it a Sunday? No, it was still on a Saturday but boy that, as a parent it was a great run to watch that and they played a little small ball small college ball but he is uh, working for Centos now out of louisville living in georgetown so i'm blessed with great kids uh right now none of them have been in a position to move back in with mom and dad which is good <laughs> they're always welcome right they're, the, the, the lights always on, always on for you, uh, but uh, waiting on. Motel 6. That's right. Motel 6. That's man. right. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> we'll leave the light on for you. So I, uh, but I'm looking forward to being a grandpa soon, whenever that happens. Okay. But uh, so I'm enjoying life, man. It's great to be on and talk ball with you. 35 years ago, it was the last time I played at the University of Kentucky. And all of my buddies here, I'm living close to my mom and dad right now. My, my wife and I moved back. Uh, they live in Crawfordsville, Indiana. So I've been in Lafayette, Indiana, home of the Purdue Boilermakers. And I've got a lot of friends around here that I went to high school with and I've gotten to know some people. And they're just amazed. They follow me on Twitter. And they're probably gonna listen to this at some point. That 35 years ago, <laughs> I played in Kentucky fans and the Big Blue Nation, not just me. It, it wasn't really about my career. It's about the loyalty and the respect that our fans give us through the years. I know you guys have former players on and other players are on. I know Reggie's on, Reggie Hanson, Coach Hanson now. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the other guys are on. So. Uh, our, our fans spoil us. We were spoiled when we played there. And eventually my wife and I will be moving back. She's from Kentucky. and That's where all of our kids are. But we're just helping my mom and dad out. They're almost 80 years old. So I'm helping them getting some get some things in order and spending some time with them as they go through some issues. Well, I, I definitely
1: understand that. I had to take care of Mama B when all this virus really hit, So I definitely understand that.
3: Yes you know got to make sure they're safe and
1: I'd oh, taken yeah. some
3: groceries my mom you know still does a few things she was a nurse on the side Terry and my my father is a retired executive at Converse he was in a automobile accident right after I graduated at Kentucky and he's been disabled ever since so my mother I've helped over the years take care of him with my mother he's he's mobile he can you know he's self-reliant and all that but he you know he does have some some uh permanent issues that we've had to, uh you know he's been on disability ever since 88 i think he was 45 when he had the accident so uh uh we've we've the hearts have had their share of suffering but but that only brings the love to the top and brings us all closer but life is good
0: Garity and Maureen McGarrity, they used at West Point, Maureen said they had coach at Holy Cross, they coached against one another. And Maureen actually beat
2: 46.
0: <laughs> if if y'all were coaching against y'all's daughters, and Roger, you've coached before Tierra, you coached your daughters at a little young age that
2: be like, how competitive would you be just put yourselves in, in Dave McCarty's position as a father
1: of
3: a daughter? And I just want to hear what goes Terry, together. Terry, I'll let okay. you go well,
2: first, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tell you, you're right. So, uh Big Miss, she, she played basketball a few years ago, and I was helping the coach. And at the end of practice, we'd have like a 10-minute kind of full court let's see what you learn through practice kind of thing and I had been telling her forever Uh and ever I said you got to get this pump fake in then you can get your shot off but she never ever did so I'd come and I'd block it a little bit but one day she's driving I slide over and I'm gonna do that that old man block she pump fakes and I go flying by like it is it is Carl Lewis on the long jump I go flying by (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, <laughs> she lays up off the glass and she's looking at me the entire time down court she said if that's all you got old man you need to stop playing <laughs> so I can only imagine if we were coaching at a higher level but I was proud I was like look at, you, yeah. you gotta talk some trash you do that so that, that was my one experience yeah. with that so I know and she still brings it up she'll still bring it up so I can only imagine
3: happening at a higher level. <laughs> oh man, yes. Well, I, from my perspective, you know, uh, all of my all of my girls played basketball. Some longer than others. My my first two, stopped. they got into other things. But uh, my youngest one played all through high school, ran track. But you know, I've raised my kids to to give them the freedom to disagree and. And 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 um, when we would play out, you know, I'd always try to play competitive, you know, and uh, but I, I if I was if I was coaching against my daughter, uh, we would probably both try to beat each other as bad as we could, <laughs> uh, just because you know we're secure in our relationship and our love for each other, as I know Terry is with his kids, and but you know, there's some bragging rights on the line, you know, and I I. Wouldn't bring it up, but if I had to, I would. <laughs> you know, off outside of the court, you know. But uh, you know, with my son, he beat me in one on one. I think I was thirty six or seven for the first time. I think he was a freshman. Of course, I'd been out of shape, and you know, I'm not. I'm not the, the greatest one on one player, but you know, I could beat him. He beat me one the first time he beat me. I went inside the house. We had a basket in the driveway. And I told my wife I was getting a drink and she said, well, you're out of breath. I said, yeah, I said, uh, Joe just beat me. She said, really? She said, well, I said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go back out and I'm going to beat him. And I went back out and I backed him oh, down yeah. every time we played Make It, Take It to 12, right? We always played Make It, Take It and it got real, it got, it got real live with each other. And I backed him down and I mean, I really beat him down. I wasn't trying to play, you know, like I'm trying to split a gap or nothing. And I beat him. And, and then after that, I said, that's the last time I'm ever going to play you. <laughs> so he's only beat me once. I beat him the last time. And that's all. I said, I said, that's it. I'm never going to play you again. I said, that's it. You you have nothing.
1: That's it. We're done. And, <laughs> that's, that, that's that Dwayne Wade video that came out a couple of weeks ago. Where he just said, look, yeah. I'm taking you to the post yeah. every time.
3: And there's nothing you can do about it. So I, I, I understand. Well, you know. Yeah, well you know Terry, when you go like I used to play pickup games with the young guys at the league, uh, at the Y, and they would be in high school and they had legs and everything. So you know you gotta you gotta make the nice call or you know you the bump, you know you 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 make the call that maybe was a little iffy, but now give me the ball, let's go. It's, I called it, did I call yeah. it? You know, you got you gotta you gotta run them that way to win at the end Get of
2: your of your pickup a, career, absolutely. right? So
3: anything you gotta do to win, and plus it teaches them, hey, you'll be in my shoes one day, and this uh, is how you all, do it. Okay, now just give me the ball. <laughs> all all the stuff, all the stuff you swore you'd never
1: do, like man, I, I would never grab yes. somebody. You know, I'd never I'd never put yes. no extra on the pick. Yes. all that stuff you swore you'd never yes. do. When you when yes. you got uh, yes. you going against somebody in their twenties, you got to do it. You got to do whatever you can to stay out there. Yes. So I, I get
3: that. <laughs> yeah. Good good hard foul that might give yeah. them a win. No, my bad. Yeah. Right, pick them up right away. My bad. Right, you know what I mean? Buy a little time. You know, so you know. The stuff that exactly. was done to me when I was <laughs> that age, and and so you got to pass it on down and keep. keep That's it right. The down, life, you know? right, the circle of life, right? The circle of life.
2: No, hey, good
1: times, baby, good times. That's right. So, yeah, we 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 got to talk about crafty. the pants. We got to talk about the, as I said at the top, it's the it mm-hmm. was good with Florida. We were excited now the Mm -hmm. wind's kind of out of our sails a little bit with bama kind of where are you roger on these cats right now
3: well i mean wow i mean that was whiplash right i mean i was so jacked so stoked over the florida game and you know i i watched the game from so many different angles but honestly i'm living vicariously in the moment with them i mean i love to do it and i'm always for them i mean i believe in them i love to watch and play all of our great players when they come in and and really experience that kentucky basketball experience but last night you know to me something i don't know there was the vibe was so different you guys know the game the vibe was so live and it was so connected against florida and there was such resolve and they were on the road and i thought wow what a statement it was keon's uh way back and last night you know just take the ball away from it every anything you know just but but it was just just the the connection they weren't connected the 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 resolve the spirit uh you know, something something happened. I don't know what it is, and I'm not trying to 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 draw a nefarious conclusion about anything. You know, it could have been uh, them uh, weathering some of the backlash of the of, of 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 them taking a knee, and I think losing a teammate. Those most of them had not played with him. Still, that in the locker room. You know, throws your focus. Your focus and your togetherness are so fragile, you know. And I think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make excuses for them because it was so profound last night. It had to be something maybe even more so than that. Um, but I don't know who they are yet. I'm still hoping. You know, we go to Auburn on Saturday. I'm still hoping that we find that team that 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 we know exi- we know it, they exist because of what happened against Florida just that connectedness and everything but i felt last night we didn't play the style of ball and i don't want to be i try not to to you know throw heat on twitter towards anybody cuz you know i've i've done it i I've, I've i've tweeted some things that that ended up i thought became heat and I don't want to be that. I respect these guys are trying, what they're trying to do. And I don't want to be a distraction. So I I, I just thought last night, you know, our offense didn't allow us to really get any energy. I thought it affected our defense on the other end. Uh, I just didn't see the, the the spirit that I saw against Florida. I don't know what you guys said. I'm, I'm anxious to see what you guys saw, but but I'm still, I'm not leaving. I'm still hopeful.
1: Right. And and to to kind of back up to what you're saying, Roger, The defense has been pretty solid for the whole year. Right? The offense has had those just stretches of what's going on. But the defense has already been pretty darn good. And it was very good against Florida. That's what concerned me more than anything last night was, you know, you've played, we've all played basketball. If you let a ball handler get into the, the painted area, it crumbles everything. Like it makes. You know, you're scrambling for the entire possession and you're giving up those open shots like they did. That was my concern was like, what are they doing on the defensive end? You know, I've always kind of said your offense, it can come, it can go. We've all seen uh, even the the best Kentucky teams offensively just have stretches where they can't throw the ball in the ocean. But as long as you're playing defense Mm -hmm. and you can keep the game close, you can still win. But if your offense isn't going to be there, and you're not playing good defense, you get beat by 20 points at home. So,
3: <laughs> yes,
1: we've seen yeah. them good. We've seen yeah. them bad. I'm mm-hmm. not ready to give up on them because in this crazy season, you know Duke lost the other night, Kansas lost the other night. I still think they can play their way into the tournament. Uh, but mm-hmm. but the margin for error is 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 really really small at this point.
3: Yeah. Well, what'd you think, Vanny? It was... My thing I was going to ask you, man. Getting...
0: I was surprised Keon uh, played so well in his first game back against Florida. I mean, no sign of rust mm-hmm. at all. Didn't miss a beat. I would have thought maybe he would have struggled and, and been trying to get up to speed mm-hmm. in his first game back and then make the play a little bit better. Mm-hmm.
2: The
3: mm-hmm. second game. Uh, what did you think?
0: I mean, you in, in battle mm-hmm.
3: or been mm-hmm. up. I, I think did you were you surprised to see him playing that well? Oh. Not only was I surprised, I was ecstatic. I mean I oh, I mean I was I was couldn't wait to call my boys around <laughs> here because you know, they've been uh, you know, obviously i be, I take a you know, I, I Oh, you know, I got Purdue and Indiana fans around me all the time. Of course, a few Notre Dame fans. So, you know, I've had a long year up here. <laughs> Usually, it's a great year. I'm sitting here listening to these guys talk about, well, we might win the big Ten. <laughs> 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 but anyway, but anyway, I'm like, wow, that's good, man. You guys might win. That's good. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, I try to be humble around them. But I thought I went back. I'm one of those guys. So after the game last night, I go back and I watch the first half. And I watch most of the second half. I pretty much watch the whole Florida game over. And the only thing I said on Twitter last night, because I don't really, you know, I've I've realized, you know, I have a, a, I don't have a big Twitter. But the people that follow me, I realize they like to get my take and I don't really want to be critical but I also feel an obligation to really tell people what I think in as graceful manner as I can but but when we played Florida it was an up and down game guys you guys know that they pressed us which automatically spread the floor and we attacked it and we kept attacking it and uh you know I I hope I hope to me it's glaring that, you know, we have to play at a faster pace and we got to get up the floor and we got to start attacking as the defense is setting up. I'm not gonna, you know. I gave up early last year. I know everybody's on Coach Cal's offense, talking about that it's archaic. There's things I like about it. There's things that I don't like about it. But, you know, there's, you know, that's every offense. It's shown that it can be effective. Nobody was talking about his offensive scheme, but uh, you know, after the Florida game, it only becomes a problem when, when you know, when we lay an egg like we did last night. But we, you know, our spacing last night, our pace. Just never really allowed us to get any energy. I, I don't know how many transition points we had last night, maybe four or six, possibly, but we just weren't getting up the floor and getting into it. And I think when we allow the defense to set up and get in the gaps, and 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 everybody knows what we're going to run, and if you know if those guys are, are are running our offense in their practice, they know what's coming. Uh, You know, when you run it and you push it, you can't scout that. You just start taking advantage of what was there. And I think that's why we look so good. And really with young teams, Terry, you made a good point about defense, okay? But everybody comes in young into college as scores, Mm -hmm. okay? And that defensive mentality takes a while before you're like, hey, you know what? It feels good to lock people down. And not only does it feel good, but it gives us great offensive opportunities running through a pass or really – that's how you break a team. We broke Florida early in the second half. And, you know, you break them with your defense. And, and last night I thought Alabama broke us pretty pretty much early in the second half. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought we broke. And they broke us with defense. But it's awful tough for young kids – to realize and feel that, you know, and I thought we broke Florida with our offense, to be honest with you. It wouldn't, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Vinny. You, I was just going to say, if you look at looking ahead to Saturday, Roger Auburn played
1: yeah. a similar kind of game, Yeah. get up and down, yeah. to shoot
0: a lot of threes, that could be a, that could be a good thing because that gives you, now you know what you need to do. It can be a bad thing if you don't. What kind of bounce back do you expect? You played at Auburn before, you know what it's like down there. Won't be any fans, but it's still, uh, you know, a tough place to go and get a win dude. Especially when they haven't got a win. They probably spent blood. They're, they haven't won the conference yet. They get their best point guard back. What do you see playing out?
3: Well, of first of all, the Auburn team, I, I've got great empathy for them. You know, what was it, four or five days before the season started? Uh, the administration comes out and says they're not going to go to a postseason. My heart breaks for them. I'm sure from a motivation standpoint, it's been tough. You know, the great thing about college basketball really for any of them is to, is to play in, to play in the tournament, in the dance, and, and try to try to do something special. And so but Pearl, uh, probably, I got great respect for him, great motivator. And it's Kentucky. It doesn't matter that we're what four and seven or whatever we are right now. It doesn't matter we're Kentucky, and I'm sure he's going to have them fired up. It's even though the, the crowd won't be there, they still, you know, they'll still be at home. There's a you know familiarity there that that, that will give them a, an advantage. And you know, our guys are just, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get with this with this particular team at this point. And, you know, we're midway through January and we haven't developed really much consistency at all. You know, we eked out that W over over uh, Vanderbilt at home, which I thought was an opportunity to, for us to maybe not necessarily put a team away, but maybe not win win on a last <laughs> second shot or by a, by a bucket. You know yeah. what I mean? And then we have that Florida burst and then we come back to this. It, it's just... It's tough to know what's really going on on the inside right now. But if they come, it it always seems to me that Coach Cal's the best. When everybody's down on him and his back's to the wall, that's when it seems that they begin to rise, you know. So, obviously, I'm hoping for the best, but I couldn't really tell you. I don't know that anybody – it'd be about, like, you know, telling you what the weather's going to be like in in four days. I don't know. (laughs) It can change.
1: and, and that's the thing about this team. I think, had they lost to Florida, or if the win was a little bit closer, then the Bama game wouldn't have been such a gut punch. But, yeah. you know, Saturday evening, you know, BBN on Twitter and Facebook and people texting each other, like, okay, Keon's back, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dante hit a couple of shots and. And you're feeling pretty yeah. good. And then it's just, yes. so, you know, and, and that's been my the whole thing about this team. You don't know what you're going to get. You know, by mm-hmm. January, most teams, you kind of figure, okay, this team, you know, as Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says. Like, you kind of figure yeah. things out. But yep. like you just said, Roger, no one knows what we're going to get on Saturday. Like, we don't know know
3: <laughs> and we, we we don't know what we're going to get from anybody really. right no one has consistently and with all due respect the only one that i see making strides and i know he makes some 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 um some mistakes and things like that but you know ask you i think he's you know in the midst of criticism and i think he's becoming a little bit more consistent in some areas i know he had some moments last night that weren't weren't his best moments, but you know we just you just don't know what you're going to get from anybody on a particular night. Is Dante going to be hot? I, you know what? I'm going to tell you what. Here's why. Here's what I'm going to. Here's here's my soapbox for tonight. Isaiah Jackson has to play 35 minutes. I think he. You know his. I, I just think he's got so. I I love Isaiah. I just think that he's got he's got to play a whole lot more. I just think, you know, I know he, he I just think defensively, I know he, he's still young. He's a freshman. He does some things, but I just think the more feel he gets with the rebounding and, you know, he can score, he can block shots. What do you have? Seven block shots last yeah. night. How many blocks? I mean, I, I, I just think, you know, we got to see him play a little bit more, you know, to me, make him a little bit more part of the mix, but, and, but just for me, just going forward, I just I think, you know, Cal has always played the tempo of the team that we're gonna play. And which is fine. I, I who am I to argue with the Hall of Fame coach, but just as a as a point guard, the first thing that I always watch is what is the what is our what is the tempo right now? Because I feel like it has such a profound effect on on, on how you play. And you know, different teams play better at different tempos and we can't in my opinion play fast enough i just think so many good things happen when we're going up and down it happened the second half against notre dame when we pressed it happened against florida when they you know they pretty much pressed us three quarters of the game we were picking them up full court the the spread we were going down just taking care of things playing off of instinct and things like that i just hope that somehow we we get to more of an up-tempo game and I think that's gonna be the biggest change we could make. I'm not I'm not hoping for any offensive changes. I'm not hoping for anything like that. I think tempo for us is key. Is the faster we can play, I think the better the better everybody's gonna look and come out. And they just start playing off instinct. I just felt last night when I watched them offensively, they just weren't feeling it. I you know, they were just going through the motions and you know, and I know what that feels like. I played for Joe Hall, okay? I mean, you know, we, that was, you know, and I love Coach Hall, okay? But but that was always, that's how we always felt when we played for Coach was that we felt restricted, you know, and it was the 80s and it was to the block and it should have been to the block, but it's more of the attitude about how you're playing and getting up and down. You know, you, you most players, college players, always feel like, you know, that their coach holds them down, the team down. But, but, yeah, I still believe that,
1: okay? <laughs> now, now to, to, to echo your point about Isaiah Jackson and foul trouble and minutes, why he's got to be on the court, uh, Kyle Tucker put mm-hmm. this out, uh, I think, a week ago. But when you look at block percentage, Anthony Davis had a block percentage. I don't know where these numbers come from. I'm not an analytics guy. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Davis in 2012, mm-hmm. 13.7. Nerlens Noel yeah. in 2013, 13.2. Yeah. Isaiah Jackson yeah. this year, 13.1. So he's an elite mm-hmm. shot blocker. Here's the here's the thing though. Fouls per 40 minutes, Davis, 2.4. Yeah. Noel, 3.2, mm-hmm. Jackson, 5.9. He's got to stay on yeah. the court. That's that's yeah. the thing.
3: You know. And I think and I think I had a high school coach who was a Hall of Famer here, and we had we had a, a kid that was really effective for us, but he was always in foul trouble. And and, and I know, you know, and, 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 and my high school coach's name was Skip Collins, and he was brilliant, one of the best basketball minds I've ever been around. And he fought outside the box, and he would always preserve him. You get two, you're coming out, you're not gonna play the rest of the half. He played that game. Finally, he it, it never worked. And, you know, they would work on his defense and his mentality. And what he eventually did was he just kept him in and let him foul out. And then as the kid fouled out, he might foul out early in the third quarter. And that was the only thing that corrected the way that he played defense. And the last half of the year, he rarely fouled out, which I thought was a brilliant move. That's what, Terry, you've coached. That's one of those brilliant moves that you go, how? Now, wait a minute, I've tried this. I've tried that. (laughs) You know. Really, coaches, you're just practicing things in real time. Right. You know, coaches that think that they've got it all figured out, if they're real honest, I don't care who you are. I've been in the huddle with some great ones from uh, Riley and Eddie and Coach Hall and stuff like that. They're figuring stuff out on the fly, okay? (laughs) They're trying this. It didn't work. They're trying this. Of course, they don't ever say that publicly because they want this big veil of of great, great intellectual – philosophical basketball mind but the truth is you just got to start trying different things and he tried that and I'll never forget that and uh so who knows I I'm of the mind just go ahead and let him foul out and sit on the bench because the bench is the greatest motivator and just let him foul out a couple of games and let him see how that feels you know and and then that possibly could be the motivation for that what he knows to do to start taking care of some of those impulses that he does. You know, early he was just setting moving screens. Yeah. He set a couple of moving screens. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. You are so young right now, right? Just let it go. It's not that big of a deal. You miss the screen. You miss the angle. Don't 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 set, you know, move that move that leg out there, right? <laughs> move that leg out there and get him on the way by. You're going to get that call. That's a quick whistle. And they look for it, you know. So he's just young and and maybe he needs to just allow him to foul out. I don't know. I think Cal's at that point where he's got to start maybe going, you know, a little bit outside the box with some of these guys because time's clicking. Yeah, it'll just be – I'm just thankful every week we still got a season going. Really, you know. Uh, Obviously, I want the guys to be healthy, and, you know, I don't want to expose them to all that. But we are going to a whole lot of trouble to play basketball. Yeah, yeah. Isolation, the isolation, I can figure out what that – I mean, come on. The the greatest thing. (laughs) The greatest thing about being a Kentucky basketball player besides the games was just being on campus, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and, and, and out amongst Big Blue Nation. Come on, that's what it's all about. And I, I'm thinking these guys aren't even getting that. They're not getting a rough experience, and they're isolated. I'm going, man, that's – i am my heart's going out
1: and, to them. And I can't remember what podcast I heard that on, but somebody talked about that. Like, the college experience, exactly what you said. The best thing of – you know, yes, you want to play in Kentucky, but being on campus as a Kentucky basketball player, I can't even fathom it. Like I can't even imagine. I can't even wrap my head yeah.
3: around that. <laughs> and, and they're missing. That. The best thing about that. Yeah. The best thing about that Florida game would have been coming home and, and being on campus on Monday. Yeah. You know And I mean? let me
1: just tell this. <laughs> let, let, let me tell this quick story of when I realized the yeah. world was different. So my freshman year uh, was 95, 96. That great, great team. Yeah. So I, was, I yes. was at a party the day Kentucky beat Indiana. Uh-huh. And I'm talking to yes. this girl and I'm like, okay, this is great, this is college, this is awesome. And like a, <laughs> about four or five of the basketball players walk in. And as I am in the middle of conversation, she breaks eye contact and just walks away as I'm still talking. And I was like, you know, things is different, man. Uh, Things is just different.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest with you. you, The minute minute that last clock goes off, you lose a little bit of sex sex appeal, Terry, to be honest with you. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) but 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 the students are always great and and the fans and uh obviously I I I enjoy that not only for our fans and you know the students don't get to see them and 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 get close to them and and become friends and you know so I I I really look at the season you know in in that context as well that you know this is this really isn't a normal season I guess the only thing is, is that everybody else is going through it. So I can't really blame a whole lot of that. But other than above and beyond that though, it's gotta be restrictive. I think the more mature groups, the senior ridden teams and things like that will probably handle this all a little bit better. Right. And so I, I do think that we're a little bit of a, a disadvantage to that. But, but ultimately you gotta always, if you're gonna prevail, as a player you know fans can look at it and see that as a drawback but as a player you you do have to play in it with a no excuse mentality to really tap out and see what you can do and I I think they are I don't think they've ever used that as an excuse so but but looking on looking at it from the outside in it's got to have it's got to have an effect on them there's no doubt about it
0: mentioned you know you Mr. Basketball from Indiana and you know I suppose some kids in Kentucky are named Mr. Basketball after coming to Kentucky people think most of the reason they wanted. Were you named Mr. Basketball before or after you committed to Kentucky was this politics going on up there in Indiana too? Uh how
3: did I had committed before the voting. I committed in December and uh of my senior year and the it, t- high school basketball in indiana back then since it's gone class basketball it, it, people still really support it but it, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the prestige i think that and i think everybody will tell you that that it used to the, the the small communities you know you can go to local i go to local high school games the gyms will be you know not this year but the gyms were packed the last the last year that i was here uh, but as far as, the, as as the media coverage statewide, it's a little tougher to cover it you know with you know four classes or I think it's five classes about is it four I think it's four or five classes. but um, uh, uh, there's always been a profound respect for Kentucky basketball in the state of Indiana. Um, you know, the thing about Indiana is, you know, you, you split loyalties. You know, you've got now Butler who's made a rise. You've got Purdue. You've got, you know, you've got Indiana. Uh, you know, at one time, you know, of course, with Bird, you had Indiana State. Evansville, you know, you know that area, Vinny. And so, you know, it's, it, it, but so you have pockets. It's just never had that statewide appeal. And I know we got, you know, Louisville there, so I'm not trying to disrespect them, but Kentucky has always been the flag, flagship basketball program. Whether we win it or not. And, uh, but, but everybody particularly admire, and I think even through the years, Kentucky has always been able to come in Indiana and get not, I'm not going to say anybody they want, but pretty much anybody they want. I know when, when Eddie was here and, and when Coach Hall was there and when, when, when Rick was there, they, they, and Tubby, you know, you could go into Indiana and, and, and when you walked in, a lot of kids, that's where they wanted to go play basketball was the University of Kentucky. And um, so I I took some, some backlash when I was uh, named Mr. Basketball at the end of the year. Uh, you know, outside of my hometown, I think there's three entrances, and they put up signs, home of Roger Harden, 1982 Mr. Basketball. And, of course, they got vandalized by iu and purdue fans and then they also got vandalized by the high schools that you know that we had beat the last three years that i was there and after the third round of them the mayor finally came up to my house with a sign and said roger the the city probably can't afford to keep putting these up because they get (laughs) they get graffiti sprayed on them so we want to just present you with this we're going to put up one more round and when and, and and they'll likely be they'll likely be graffiti on them this weekend, and after that we I can't tell you we're going to be able to put them up, but we're sure proud of you, son. <laughs> 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 but when I left, when Coach Hall recruited oh, us, no you know he told us, and and we all talk about this, and and it's it's everything's played out that Coach told us when he recruited us uh was and coach hall had a lot of sway with uh sports writers in 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 indiana because it was voted on by sports writers and there was a guy named bates uh that was big in in naming the mr basketball but it was done by vote but he would always politic for you coach hall would politic for anybody that that signed to come to kentucky and indiana he worked the phone for you to get mr basketball But, but but as coach told us When you come here as a freshman, you might be coming back in the summers and for holidays, but you'll probably end up spending the rest of your life in the state of Kentucky, and I can't tell you how many guys that I played with that stayed in the state of Kentucky after they got done or when they got done playing pro ball, if they were fortunate enough to play pro ball. Everybody came back and lived in in, in Lexington or Louisville or somewhere around there just because what a life. You know, uh, the people give you respect. Now you gotta do the right thing. You know, you have some opportunities just by your association with the basketball program. When you get in with a company or something, you gotta show the same work ethic and everything like that. You can't have an entitlement mentality. But as you guys could imagine, you know, having that on your resume and a little bit of re- name recognition, you know, that goes a long way. And when you got Joe Hall picking the phone up, ask you know, helping you get a job, you know there's a high probability you're probably gonna get it. And as you go through life, you understand how important a good job is or an opportunity, all you can ask for is an opportunity in life. And when coach would pick the phone up for us, he would always talk to us for about 15 or 20 minutes and just say, you know, you're still representing the University of Kentucky basketball program. And if this works out for you, the way you carry yourself, the what your work ethic, and the way that you treat other people is going to reflect on our basketball program. So all through even though he wasn't coaching through those years, we would get those those talks whenever we would call him for a recommendation or something and just say, you know, we need this to work out, Roger, cuz the next guy that I call, you know, for another player, you know, who knows, it's a small world in Kentucky. You guys won't have a reputation of being good employees. And, and good hires for the people. So we always feel like, you know, people that play particularly for Coach Hall, we are lifelong ambassadors for the, for the greatest basketball program in the country. And so we always take, you know, try to take pride with the way we, whether we talk on Twitter or wherever we're at, we always try to be cognizant. that not only are we representing, you know, God and our family and our family name, but we're also representing the University of Kentucky basketball program. You well, you did? I did, and and I want everybody BBM. to know that I went through, you know, the family with that. You know, anytime, you know, I would ever do something like that. I know, you know, the family's taking care of him, and and he really was, you know, I uh, he had lost a good friend named Terry McRae who was a good friend of, uh, of the basketball program. Anybody played for Coach Hall knew Coach uh, Terry McBrere who was an attorney, uh, a big, uh, he was a Democratic politician, but he was basically a power broker. And he was he was coach's best friend. And of course, Coach has outlived many of his friends, Vinny, uh, and Terry was probably his closest, along with being in isolation for probably five or six months and then losing his best friend like that. You know, the family was very concerned about his mental health. And Oscar Combs, who's close to him, called me and said, you know, can you call coach? You know, you always have a way to make him laugh. And of course, me and coach talk all, probably three or four times a year. And I called him, we talked. And I could tell a difference in his mood. So I called Steve Hall, his son, and said, hey, you know, he doesn't get calls much. Let's put a number. Let me put a number out on Twitter. I said they're probably gonna shut me down. And they did shut my account down, but not after BBN retweeted it and liked it. And I mean the 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 texts were just coming in. Steve Hall was over there when they started coming in. He said, Roger, it was like a it was like a pinball machine, you know, because you have your little notification that goes off. He said it was just like, he said it was literally shaken on, on on coach's table, you know, of everybody sending him a text. And finally, I think it was like at two in the morning, the next uh, Twitter uh, closed my account down, which was an experience in of itself. But the text that he read uh, really touched him. You know, Steve called me and just said, Roger, I, I know you got shut down. He wrote me a three, three text message of just gratitude and to be sure and tell the big blue nation you know almost just they were just so thankful and coaches to this day he hasn't even he, he said there was there was close to over 800 of them or, or close to a thousand I forget there was almost a thousand messages in eight hours that came in for coach that he can sit and just you know so and so from this city I remember you coach some of them texting him a picture of them together thank you for this and you can imagine he's only he has a private nurse and I think that's really the only person that he's around and he's in a, a facility right now and you know he can still read his mind is still good and um, for him to be able to sit around you know he gets emotional reading as you can tell at his age so I, it, it was just, I was just happy for him, I was happy that Big, Big Blue Nation had a chance to say something to him. I, it, it was, it was worth, it was worth getting put in Twitter jail, Vinny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was
0: awesome, that was awesome to, to be able to do that, and especially for us that are that are younger, because I, I was born in
3: '77, so I'm.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Final four with Georgetown, and all that. So then, I mean, I remember mm-hmm. seeing him on the sidelines
2: mom and dad had to have the game on. But as far as remembering his era, I don't as much mm-hmm. but until he Beautiful mhm mm-hmm.
3: Yep. And yep.
0: And Sam, and I remember you guys. But as far as remembering Coach Hall, I don't yes.
3: really really yes.
2: you know,
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: he's telling
3: a bunch of stories about him yeah. and getting a little bit of a perspective of what he was like has been cool and you know got the older generation yeah age when he was coach, so it's kind of good to get a, um, yeah well of what mm-hmm. he was like, you know, and I've I've, I've been what
1: I, uh, Terry did you want to add anything I don't want to take up oh no you're good no I'm
3: sitting back listening okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah. well well The thing about playing for Coach Hall was, uh, you know, uh, he was popular with the fans, but obviously, uh, you know, fans weren't always happy with his style of play. He didn't let us guards put it up. I mean, I knew when I signed to come to Kentucky. Back then when you came out of high school, as you mentioned earlier, my accolades, whatever – but when you came there, you had no anticipation of, of, you just wanted to play a little bit as a freshman. I mean, Dirk Minnifield was a five-star player. He was a senior my freshman year. Dickie Beal, maybe one of the quickest players I've ever played from, from Covington Homes and a great friend to this day. Uh, MVP of the Mideast Regional in 84, but before we went to Seattle, brought us to great heights when he came back from an injury that year. Uh, I had to play for them, and really, you know, your freshman year, you go there and you find out you're not as good as you thought you were. Uh, your sophomore year, you were just trying to get over the, get your confidence back from getting your ass kicked every day by Dickie and Dirk in practice, and I was kind of thrown in before my time because of Dickie's injury, but my anticipation when I came as a, as a high school All-American was, to start as a and run the show for two years as a junior and senior. And that was pretty much the way it went with most blue bloods at that time. We would have maybe three, a big, a big recruiting class was four. You didn't have to turn over. You had the stability as a coach, you knew what you wanted. But I think what fans really appreciated about Coach was, and what I appreciated about him was, was was the the way that the program was open to our fans and the fans were pretty much, you know, we were so connected with our fans. We would play four games a year, our preseason games. We'd play blue-white games all across the state in high schools. When we would go in, the whole town would be waiting for us. The gym would be packed. We'd eat with them in the cafeteria afterwards. We'd sign autographs for an hour and a half. We would, anybody that sent a ball into the basketball office, I know in 84, we signed over 15,000 balls. Every, about two to three times a week in practice, after practice, guys, we would all sit down like we're sitting on a bench at a game, and we would just pass balls down for about 30 to 45 minutes, and all we did was sign our name. Because if you sent a ball in, a request for a ball with a ball, We signed it, and and we got it back to them. After the season, all of us, and, you know, race has always been an issue with Kentucky basketball, and we actually talked about race, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we realized what we could do is not only we were ambassadors, but particularly uh, all the brothers on our team, uh, all all of my black teammates on the team, realized you know, we we would all go out and speak. We had to speak. We were encouraged to speak. We were taught to speak. We'd speak at basketball camps in the summer. We would speak at bank, which we would speak. One time I went to a quilting club with about six uh, 80-year-old women. And Coach Hall said, no, this is where you're going. And just go up there and just talk about, answer questions. If you put in a request, we went. But what it was, when you send Kenny Walker and Sam Bowie into Appalachian America, where there's not a a, a big black population, you know, they realized that they were breaking down walls when they would go into a gym and talk to people. There weren't a lot of black people in those counties. Not only was he representing that, but the way that they started to feel about him, you know, they became attached to our to all of us for one reason or another, but we felt like that was a great way to break some barriers uh, for Kentucky basketball and for race relations across the state. And I think that I haven't seen that a whole lot out of the last couple of eras of coaches that are here in getting the guys. Of course, they don't stay. One of the things I think that we can do as a basketball program is – Fellas, can you still hear me? I'm sorry, yes. Come into our community. University, just find a sponsor to pay them so that fans don't have to pay for an autograph. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm not being critical, I know that's today, but I think, you know, there's some kids that can't afford 20, $25. And I can't tell you how many people on Twitter or that I see, you know, I had one guy write me a heartfelt DM about coming from a real bad home. He had an alcoholic father and he said his biggest escape was when the cats came on and I think it was Robertson County. He lived in Robertson County. I went to Robertson County one time and he ran into me and he said I talked to him and spent a little bit of time with him. And he said, you know, that touch people's lives on a personal level. And I know that you know, there's some people don't want to talk about the demonstration that happened again before Saturday. But I think the university could do a better job, and I know they're under bad circumstances with COVID right now, but I think that came across to some as a political statement. But we've got first class players on our basketball team, and if they can get their personalities out there a little bit more than cows. Keon Brooks, Isaiah Jackson, every one of those guys is great people. They come from great people. I understood what it was. I've, I pretty much grew up in two cultures. And I think if, if they were a little bit better known and the university did a little bit more exposing and getting them in communities, even if it's just a few, and I would think even with Facebook, they could get to know them better. It would have come across more as a personal appeal. And I think it would have been received a little bit different by some of our fans. Some Some of our fans are living in just a straight political world right now. I don't talk about politics, I'm not into politics, but I understand what's going on and why people think the way they're thinking right now. But in order for us to break those barriers down and continue to do it, it's gonna come, I think, on the personal level with people that have relationships with people that don't look like each other. They come from different backgrounds with different races. And uh, that's one thing I think that our our basketball program can get better at, is getting these great guys out there with these personalities. Because the fans will love them. They'll love them. You, You send Keon Brooks or somebody to London or somebody like that up there where they did it, let me tell you something. When he walks out after he gets done talking or Isaiah Jackson and he signs autographs and talks to him and answers questions, you leave with fans. And believe me, when I went up to Eastern Kentucky, and everybody loved to go to Eastern Kentucky. We went to Western Kentucky. We go to Louisville. Sometimes we go two or three at a time. When i walk in with Sam Bowie and Kenny Walker, believe me, the last person they wanted to hear was Roger Harden, okay? <laughs> and we would spend the night in people's houses. Some of them had money. Sometimes they didn't have money. We'd go to the gym and play with their high school team. You know, so it's that. And inevitably, the local newspaper would be there and do a story on it. And that that was Coach Hall's version of Kentucky basketball because he grew up in Cynthiana. Every year when we would start the season, he had this poem called Little Eyes Upon You, talking about the effect that you have on our kids and on the youth and on all of our people in Kentucky that are Kentucky basketball fans. And we need to seize the moments we have with them and make a good impression and, and, and give something back to them because they give so much to us. And, you know, he grew up making a scrapbook of, of, of the Kentucky basketball team, the Fabulous Five. He'd always say, hey, Roger, do you know who Ralph Beard is? I'd say, no, I don't know who Ralph Beard is. He said, well, if he was on this team, you'd be backing him up. He was on the Fabulous Five. So I watched Ralph <laughs> Beard, and Ralph Beard did have games. But I will say this, I never saw Ralph Beard go left, okay? (laughs) And and Ralph Beard played before uh, uh, desegregation, too, okay? All right? (laughs) As proud as I am of those teams, all right? So. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. I'm from. I'm from those areas you're talking about. In Eastern Kentucky. Yes. Uh, people don't think there's a
2: lot of black people there. I'm from an area there, where There's yes. pockets
0: of Eastern Kentucky where there are black people. I'm from Harlan County. I know y'all barnstormed in Harlan before. Uh, I,
2: yeah.
3: Jack
0: and those guys came. My dad, I think there might be pictures of my If I'm a baby, they were there. But I remember it was, I don't know who all it yeah. was, but I
3: yeah. remember, I'm like
2: yeah.
0: five years old and, and Felton Spencer, yes. and I don't know who
2: all yeah. yeah.
0: to play, because I remember that's the, that's the first seven yeah. I'd ever seen in my life. And I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? You know, he yes. was but I remember seeing him. I was like, he came to Capewood High School. I saw Felton Spencer, and they came yes. to, right down the road from where I live. So that would definitely help there's
3: there's still my wife when I were dating and she, she came <laughs> to, to, my, to brother, Hey, hey, to that's, me. hey, that's, that's, that's what hey, that's that's like what all the brothers would say here. when so they come back. With, that, when I met <laughs> met with them. Of course there'd be a couple of, 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 of young black kids or something like that. And of course they immediately are drawn to them because you understand the situation. And and but it was it was a great moment and, and what I want to say was from Coach Hall, and I, I want to sing Coach Hall's praises because I'm honest about him. He was tough to play for, okay? But but the, the, the conversation of race was talked about, and you know he followed Coach Rupp. And I don't want to get back into all that, but he really took a a, a leading role. He really wanted our program to reflect to every Kentucky kid that's black in Kentucky, if you're good enough, we want you. And, you know, my first year there, I played with Charlie Heard. I played with Dickie Beal. Uh, you know, you had Jack and 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 uh, uh, James Lee before that. I played with Melvin. Uh, one of the greats that I thought was tragic, he got, it was a little bit of a controversy It didn't work out, was sad for Leroy Bird, you know, Paul Andrews from London, you know, I mean, you know, I played with Troy McKenna, you know, independence. And and so I think he really wanted the African-American community to feel like you could cheer for this team and we want your son to play here. And I want to go out of my way to sing his praises on that. And, and we talked about that as a team. And, and we knew when we went out and spoke. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm a white boy. But obviously, when you go out and speak at different places, you're representing them. But, but our, our African-American players realized when they went into communities that were predominantly white, they knew that they were breaking down barriers not only for Kentucky basketball, but for race relations. And they, were, they did a great job. And the fans loved them. They just embraced them. Thank we'll you. Thank you. Make our show better. So, yeah, once again, Thank we'll you. We'll
2: Absolutely. We'll
3: what? That's right. Hoping this hey, until know, the last one goes time. off, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the last one believing in them. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for them. I, I like all of them. They're, they're fine young men. I I, I wish we had more background. I know Kyle Tucker does some good background stories on them. It used to be that the media did a lot more background stories on the people and you got to know them and you felt more of a personal connection. And some of them aren't here as long. And I I mean, I don't want to beat the dead horses. I go out the door here, fellas, but but there's a lot of great stories on that basketball team. And I'm hoping that they can leave here feeling good about, about playing at Kentucky and and have a better experience so far that they've had right now. So not only do I hope they win, but I hope they feel love from from fans that I know that do love them. And I appreciate you, Terry. And I appreciate you, Vinny, And I love following you on Twitter. And anytime you need me, you know where I'm at. Okay, fellas. See ya. Thank take you, take Roger. Bye bye. Uh huh. Thank you so much, man.
1: Absolutely, I love having Roger on. We could have him on uh, for a full two hours, and, and 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 not have it drag on. You know, yeah. Uh, but to to put a bow on, you know, this 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 season, this team, the men's basketball team, like I just I don't know. You know, you 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 hope that the the switch will be flipped. But you don't know. And the issue is that our, our, our top guys are not our top guys. Like, you know, B.J. Boston has got to be that dude. You know, Terrence Clark, I know he's been out. but But those two guys not being what we thought they were going to be makes it harder for everybody else, right? Because you can get Dante Allen to surprise Mississippi State for 20 points that's not gonna happen again. Like that, that, you know, there's tape now, like that's not gonna happen, right? I, I don't think it's fair to assume that he would be able to to do that again. That's where you need your, the five stars, I know it's become a bur- dirty word here uh, in the Big Blue Nation, but you need those dudes to be those dudes, right? That's the That's what's missing from this team, is that elite person that can go get you a bucket. Right, that's that's kind of what is missing. So, I, I don't know, you know. I'm gonna watch the games, I've been watching, I'm always gonna watch, but I don't know what we're gonna get. So, hope for the best. And, and, and it's and the, the concern is. And you know me, we've been doing this show for what's seven going on seven years, right? I mean, we look at the numbers. uh, I stay positive, right? I don't go down that dark path because I don't think being negative all the time is beneficial. However, with every other team, I've always been the guy. Look, the team's going to look bad early. They'll figure it out, right? But at this point of the season. Even the teams that looked rough showed flashes. Like, we talk about, uh, you know, 2014. They lost some games, right? But Julius Randle was a dude from the jump. Like, he went for, like, 28-14 and 14 against Michigan State in the, uh, the Champions Classic. Like, he was a double double. Like, we knew he had a guy, and he could do it every single night. Now, he had a lot of turnovers, and everything, but we knew he had that dude there's no one on this team that you could point to. Like like Roger said, Devin asked you is improved. From where he was at the start of the season to, to even last night, you know, a couple of boneheaded plays, but he is definitely improved. But he, he ain't a, a point guard like your John Wall, which I know is a little unfair, but he's not Brandon Knight. He's not there yet. So... Where do you where do you go? I would say even in 2013, by this point of the season, we kind of said, okay, this team isn't very good, right? But if everybody does their does their part, wow. If everybody does their part, this team could be okay. Right? And then you lose Nerlands, and now you take that piece of the puzzle away and whatever. But with this team, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't think it's fair to ask uh, Dante Allen to be a 20-point-a-game scorer. You know, I, I don't... You know, SAR has got to do something consistently on the on the interior, but it just hasn't come together. Now, still can it still come together? Absolutely. You know, the ceiling on this team, I still say, is relatively high. But... Uh, like we talked about uh, with Harden and and, uh, the Nets, you know, the shortened season, and we don't know all the games are on the schedule. We don't know that they're going to be played. There's some cancellations today. So uh, the opportunity to get this together, I I think, you know, we're kind of running out of time. So that's, that's that's my thoughts on the state of Kentucky basketball.
0: And Julius Randle uh, can't mention him without saying with the Knicks PR tweet at the day. And he joins Oscar Robertson as the only two players in the history with 200 points,
1: 115 rebounds, and 70 assists in their first two games <sighs> the season. Yeah, you know, with those uh that's a good list, but it always seems kind of arbitrary to me, right? Uh, you know, this many points, you know, but it's a good thing. Because the Knicks are better than people thought, and the big reason is Julius Randle's been a double-double or triple-double machine. Like he has been playing phenomenally well, and so has Emmanuel Quickly. I follow some some Knicks fans, and they love IQ. And Sixers fans love Tyrese Maxey. So I don't like living in the world of woulda, coulda, shoulda but watching maxi watching quickly and knowing how well they were playing at the end of the year i I feel confident saying that team could have made noise in the tournament that team could have done something last year's last year's team so um oh uh real quick on the nba because i know we want to talk about college football and everything but uh Trey Lyles is now the one guy I always forget about in the NBA. Jamal Murray has retired that title. And uh, I saw the San Antonio Spurs uh, tweeted out uh, Trey Lyles. Uh, I believe he had I I can't remember if it was a dunk or a block. I, my old age is showing, but I was like, oh yeah, Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles is now that dude. I'm like,
2: oh yeah.
1: You know, cause, cause I, I don't think we saw Half of what he's able to do when he was in Kentucky. Because he he was in the second platoon. And I don't know if he ever had a game where we were like, oh, wow, Trey Lyles. Like, I think he was solid, but I don't think there was a game where you were like, okay, like he's good, but, you know, is he all, you know, McDonald's All American? Like, uh, freshman Tyler Eulis had that. Uh, game on the road at Texas AM, right? That went to like at least one overtime, maybe two, I can't remember. But you're like, okay, we've seen glimpses. Devin Booker had that stretch where he was just, he was on fire, right? And and of course, Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns. But Trey Lyles, you're like, okay, he seems decent. Like the best way I always thought of Trey Lyles was he's pretty good at a lot of different things, but what is he great at? And so it just, so, you know, he left and, you know, yeah. but somebody said to me, because I tweeted that out, like, hey, I always forget about Trey Laws, and he was like, well, you know, he probably should have come back. And I, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't think it would have made a difference with Trey Laws. I mean, I think with that next year's team, okay, maybe he can get on the inside a little bit more, because that's what's missing, but I don't think that coming back for him personally would have done anything for his game. And I said, I know he's not setting the world on fire, but he's been in the NBA for six seasons. Right? Like, like he's getting run in San Antonio right now. Uh, the last Spurs game I watched, he started. So that's, you know, I think a lot of times yeah. we get hung up in, okay, yes, there's Anthony Davis, right? who is at he's at that different level like he is going to be in a few years the face of the los angeles lakers okay but there's something to be said for guys that are just in the nba for a long time you know you don't have to be you you look at patrick patterson i mean dude still he's he's still out there he's still in the league you know, and, and I think there's something to be said for longer. Look at Nazi Muhammad, right? The last dude in the NBA after off of the 96 and 98, yeah. he, he played forever um,
0: 18 years or something. I mean,
1: it's been, it's been so there's something to be said to, to still and and play, you know, not just be kind of hanging on that kind of stuff, but still be contributing. So I'm like, so Trey Lyles to me that that to me is okay. Yeah. You know. No. He's not barely hanging on, two way contract and G League here. Right. And that's 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 not everybody's going to be a star, right? That's just that's just the the, the way the it's all set up. Like I, you know, we're playing you're talking about playing pickup with Roger earlier. If you play with a play basketball with like someone that played at the Division I level, you'll understand how different it is to be that good. Like, you know, I played against Luke Hancock, Louisville Cardinal, uh MOP of the 2013 Final Four, who, I mean, he didn't make it in the NBA, whatever. Great guy. And you're thinking, oh, this guy, all he could do was shoot, right? Man, buckets, dude. I mean, like, it's like trying to foul him. And I couldn't foul him and make him do an and one. Like, he went ahead and scored anyway. Like, I I don't think people understand there's a gap between, hey, I, I played with somebody that was good in college or good at high school and somebody that played at elite D1 Final Four championship level. Like, there's a gap. And those guys, there's a gap between sitting on the bench at the NBA. Like, there's layers to this. And uh, one of the Beaumont Jones podcasts, he was talking to, I think it was Joel Anderson. You think about all the great guys you watch in high school, whatever the sport, football, basketball, whatever, who just were dudes in high school. And you're like, well, how many of those guys did anything in college? Well, That's a short list. And then how many people make it to the NBA? Even shorter list. And I, you know, I played pickup with some dudes I thought were phenomenal. But there's layers to this. So not to go down that tangent, but Trey Lyles now has the award for being the guy that TV always forgets about in the NBA. <laughs> Which means he's going to break out. Because as, as, as soon as I tweeted that out, Jamal Murray went for fitting. So, That's right. <laughs> and, and then everybody starts dunking on me like, you forget about him now? i like, no, nah, I know who he
2: is now. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's Before we hit the Alabama college football too,
0: we got to give congratulations to friends of the show, Lonnie and Cassidy Rose. Shelby Valley, they went back to back, they won the 15th Region All-A Classic again the other day, they beat Pikesville, Pikeville, I'm sorry, 5344 to win that tournament again, and, uh, Cassidy is back healthy and they're back playing, and of course we had a bottle talk with them just a few
2: weeks ago before they started again, and congrats
1: to them. For absolutely, game. friends of the show, absolutely. 11 title for saving 11 and 0. Yeah, yeah, you know, we we knew this was going to happen. Let's be honest. I, I know you want to talk about where does Alabama fit in to all time great teams, and I don't, I No knock on Alabama, but I don't know if you can do that this season with everything else. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Alabama, but I don't know if you can put them at the top of the list. Because now they're on the list. Don't get me wrong. But I think you need to give it a few years to kind of see how things shake out. Uh, Last night, I I tuned in to our friends, uh, Van House, Anthony White on the locker. They were talking about it. And I said, "Hey, 2001 Miami. Uh, that that to me, I don't know where you put them as a good team, but 2001 Miami was ridiculous. Probably the most talented team, top to bottom, we've ever seen. Because if you look at the 2001 Miami, this is let me let me get to the." Running backs on here, okay. Let me let me get to the running backs. I want to make sure I get this, I get this uh, correct. The running back depth chart on that team was Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, and Frank Gore. That was how deep they went at running back. So yeah, you could talk about Ken Dorsey didn't do, a whole, but okay. You're like, well, who 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 else who else did they? Who else did they have on the 2001 Hurricanes? Andre Johnson, Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow II, Bryant McKinney, Antrell Rolle, Jonathan Vilma, Jeremy Shockey. I mean, Vince Wolford, Ed Reed, Mike Rumpf. I mean, Roscoe Parrish. I mean, come on. So anyways, going back to this game, I mean, Alabama just had dupes. And it comes down to having more dudes than you have. That's 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 basically what it is. Um, once Alabama said, hey, we can't win 16-13 anymore. That's not what we're going to do. Then they started getting quarterbacks that weren't just game managers. Because remember a couple of those early championship teams, the quarterbacks, um, I can't remember their names now. But the one I can only remember because Brent Musburger was being weird about his girlfriend in the crowd. You remember that? And
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A
1: lot of, you know, but then they decide, hey, we got to throw this rock around. And so now let's get Tua, you know. Now let's even get uh, Jalen Hurts, who, you know, give him his props. He played well at Alabama. And now we're starting to see these quarterbacks come along. And now they become a wide receiver factory. Right.
0: Like so, Jalen Waddle started
1: over. Because going into the season, it was Waddle. Was the dude. Now think about how deep this, this like yeah. what I just said about Miami's yeah. running backs is Alabama's wide receivers. We're going to look at a few years and be like, goodness, Waddle was number one dude coming into the season, gets hurt, and his replacement wins the Heisman Trophy. And Devontae Smith was the one who cut the touchdown from two. So, exactly. To replace so, freshman. you know, well, and once Alabama it's said, hey, insane. we're going to start throwing this <laughs> ball around, now they're bringing in four five-star receivers for next year so the problem for everybody else with Alabama is there's no drop-off like you know I said last night but Monday night what you saw was okay you you you've been tackling and chasing uh uh Najee Harris for 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 and they brought in another guy, number four, can't think of his name, and he's running people over. That is, that that's your reward for all of this, is you've, you've, you've played their ones. Their twos can start anywhere else. So Alabama's just a different animal altogether. And we talk about the same teams over and over again, and I get it, but Alabama has been doing this since the BCS days, right? Like, no matter you know, the last 10 years, whatever we try to construct, Alabama's right there, there, without a drop-off. Like, remember, the crying Jordan memes come out for Alabama when they lose in a championship game. That, that, you know, people got to get the jokes off when Clemson beat them in the championship game. And I remember after the second or third title, somebody, a lot of people, I think, said, oh, this is the end of Alabama. <laughs> I remember it. Like, we're, we're not going to see Alabama. You know, they, they get blown out by Clemson. Alabama, that, that's a wrap. Really? Like, because I don't see this letting up. I don't see Alabama losing momentum for a while. That that's the that's the should be the scary thing for everybody else. Alabama is not even they're not worried about the team they play week in week out. It's like they're stockpiling plays, holding on to things just to show you in the championship game. That that's it's it's just it's it's crazy.
2: Look, knocking Alabama. No. They're just where everybody else wants to be, and like even Clemson and Georgia,
1: as good as they are, they ain't there yet. They, they tried, right.
0: But they, they ain't there yet because you see, when well, you saw what Alabama did to Georgia,
1: and right. And
0: you saw what Alabama did to Ohio State, and you saw what Ohio State to
2: the Clemson.
1: <laughs> right now, and, and the reason I say we gotta, we have to take a step back. And let these things kind of sort out is because yes, Alabama this year was a great, great team. They're on the list. But when I when you look at and, and look, we're all t- we're talking hypotheticals here though, right? But 01 Miami, Frank Gore is third on the depth chart at running back. <laughs> and he's what second leading rusher in NFL history. You know, you got Ed Reed, Hall of Fame. You got, I mean, you got a lot of all pros. That, you know, and a lot of all pros on the second team. That's that's where I'm talking about. We've got to let these things sort out. You know, I, I think. But when you start talking about, man, did you see like 95 Nebraska? Special team. Special team, Right you got 0-1 Miami. You've got those teams that... And and this is what happens. There's a Super Bowl winner every year. But there's only a few teams that that really kind of resonate. Right? Like, look, my 49ers lost to the Ravens a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. But is anybody really talking about Joe Flacco when you talk about Super Bowl performances? No. Right? You know, there's just... Sometimes there's just games that just happen, but then there are teams that come along that really make it special, like the Bears in '85. Like everybody still knows Super Bowl Shuffle, the fridge. There was just something about that team. So, yes, there's a champion every year, but there's not always a historic team every single well, year. Yeah, if that yeah. if, if that if that makes sense, yeah. you know. And and when you look at uh, whether it be baseball or whatever, you know, sometimes those memorable teams are the ones that don't even win the championship sometimes. So, uh, Alabama won, congrats to them, but where they fit on that Pantheon, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah,
0: because last year they were talking about LSU, the same thing, that was like, the first team. So they were going 15-0, and, and now there's them, which, everybody
2: navigating COVID the same one and COVID, For them going to go undefeated, that is, that is,
0: no, I, I will give him extra credit
2: because
0: you know it's, everybody is happy with you know, the team's all their coaches you know, we've seen you know, some guys leave Kentucky and stuff like that he's doing it with different coordinators every year we've seen Kirby Smart leave we've seen Jerry Pruitt leave we've seen Jumbo Fisher leave. Sart just left the other day Lane Kiffin was there for a minute. Mike Locksley went to in Colorado, so to do it, just mm-hmm. interchanging coordinators and stuff like that, and still not miss because you know those are those are the guys that are closer to the players, especially the position coaches, coordinators, and for those guys to have a different voice almost on a yearly basis, it's still not miss a you definitely got more talent there, buddy. You got all the five stars. But you ain't mad at you, Fred. Any other school could have on five stars they would but for him to do it with all of the coaching turnover due to their success kind of I mean that makes it more challenging
1: they ain't having many challenges on the field but from an organizational standpoint that's that's challenging right right and, and you know off the top of my head I don't know you know behind the scenes for some of those other teams but yeah you can look at all this look this year particularly for Alabama yes a lot of things to overcome Uh, But each time you win a championship, there are going to be those challenges. And you're right on the money. Having all the five stars, having all the talent. You know, people say, of course, he's got the top guys. That's not always guaranteed success. Right? We have seen that in every sport. We have seen uh, the Washington football team bring in a bunch of names (laughs) and, and it not work out. Well, yeah. Well, your your cowboys have brought a few people in that you kind of just, you know. Anyway, but we, but, 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 but talent doesn't always win, and it takes coaching. And love him or hate him, Saban has, for lack of a better word, this culture at Alabama. Right. This. This. The way we do things. So even if your direct coach changes from one year to the next, you still know what to expect. And that's a testament to saving, right? Because we have seen other programs have some success, coordinators get shuffled around, and, okay, what happened? You know, it, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's why when we look at these blue bloods, we've talked about success isn't guaranteed. Success, year in, year out, decade after decade, it's not guaranteed because we have seen teams, and not to beat this dead horse, but we've talked about before, teams that we were that were good when we were kids aren't good now. And it's not because the fans gave up on them. Nebraska football fans are some of the hardiest fans that you'll find anywhere, but they haven't had the on-the-field success. Texas hopes SAR can bring that magic to Austin, but it's not guaranteed so it's very fortunate that you when you like when you look at professional sports the most successful professional sports teams have the best front offices have that continuity right that's part of okay coaches come coaches go but this is this is how we do things like i gave your rockets credit earlier they've never been abjectly terrible like you have never watched a 20-win rockets team not to say they don't always they make the playoffs every year but there's not that huge dip like my lakers had a huge dip and we weren't not prepared to handle that you know we we still are trying to get that stink off of a 30 win season like which st- that's unusual so when we look at alabama just the consistency of what nick saban is doing and has done it's it's mind-boggling it really is
0: Mark Ingram, who is, you know, representing the short, stocky dudes like myself. And then you had Devontae Smith, who he's been there four years. That's him after being in Alabama's weight program for four years. Like, just still a string bean, still the skinny as he can be. Fiery strength, stronger than he looks, but he you know, kind of like, on
1: And the, the and, and this again, the craziest thing was that Alabama had never had a Heisman Trophy winner until what five six years ago. That is the craziest stat. Also, it it you know Kentucky didn't have a Wooden Award winner until John Wall, which I thought was but the and that's where I make that comparison between Kentucky basketball and Alabama football. They haven't always had the best, like, individual player. But the teams have always been very, very good, championship-level good, right? That's, I think, where you can kind of make that analogy between the two programs. And I'm not saying that we haven't had dudes. But, you know, when you've got Michael Jordan and James Worthy coming through North Carolina, I, you know, I... I I would be hard pressed to kind of say to draw a comparison between uh, you know you know Kentucky's dudes, if that makes sense. Right. So level, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and and now we've had some 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 absolute studs, and you know we've had some success. Obviously, like everybody else, we would want more, but um, college football because this was the least watched championship game of the playoff uh, era, I, I think going back even to the BCS days. College football has a problem. The the games, Alabama's almost too good. Right? It's, it, And I'm not saying that they win it every year, but the games aren't competitive. Uh, yes, there was a last second throw from Tua to Devontae Smith a few years ago but a lot of these championship games just aren't, and the playoff games in general, they're just not competitive football and I can see people not being interested in that College football's got to do something, and and the thing is this: expansion. What does that do? You know that. But That's even if you get Cincinnati, what's Cincinnati gonna do to, to to Alabama? Like I I like I I don't know. Like I don't know how you fix it, and 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 college football. The way it is set up, the way it is so regionalized, I, I don't know if there's a good way to crown a champion. Like, I, I don't. Like, it didn't make any sense in the old bowl system to have, you know, the top three or four teams all playing different opponents, and you wait for New Year's Day, and then everybody takes a vote. Like, that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, the BCS didn't make a lot of sense, and this committee doesn't make a lot of sense I don't know that there's a way for college football to, to do it that does make sense to be honest with you I don't know that there's a way to do that and there, and there may not be because college football is such a regional kinds of kind of thing it's just it's tough It's it's, it's really tough uh, to, to do. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's been in it Derrick Thomas. I mean, Derrick Thomas was
2: crazy.
1: That Alabama. I mean, the team was good. Charles was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully college football can 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 figure it out uh, where you can keep more more teams engaged. More fans kind of engaged in what's going on. That's the benefit to the uh, to the men's tournament. You know, uh, because like you said, the diehards are going to watch, right? But you've got to do other things to bring in casual fans to watch. Like the Super Bowl has become a whole set. So it doesn't even really matter who's in the Super Bowl as far as getting eyes on it. Like the Super Bowl is just a thing. And the tournament, the men's tournament, everybody fills out a bracket. People don't even know anything about college basketball, so out of practice. College football just doesn't have that. You know, and it's it's like the the World Series to some extent in the NBA finals. Unless there's a name in it, you can have some finals that nobody cares about. Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> uh there's there's been some finals like, you know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but some of those Spurs. Like the Spurs and the the Nets, Spurs and the Pistons, (laughs) and and Spurs Net. Like, come on, come on. Like, who wants? Nobody wants to see this. (laughs) One last
0: thing too. We got like a minute and a half left.
1: Uh Oh,
0: I maybe I don't. was trailing Big Saban with the Cup of Gatorade. I hadn't seen him before, so I was
2: tweeting like, who is
0: this dude? At first I thought he was like holding the cord to the headset, but no. And then Saban's headset didn't have a cord. The dude was not holding the cord. He was just following him around with the Cup of Gatorade. So I had to tweet our friend Meredith Hornsby, and a couple other Alabama people who follow on Twitter. Turns out his name is Cedric. He is Saban's personal assistant. The dude is amazing. You would have to be. Henry but he could scream at me and, and ask me to bring him his little damn and park his car for probably 250 grand, whatever Cedric's making. But that was Cedric is a dude's
1: name. and He got a lot of camera time. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 do that for Coach Stoops.
2: Yeah, i